from Chicago, it's Startup Hype Man, the podcast. What's up, everyone? My name is Raj Nation, founder and chief pitch artist at Startup Hype Man, where we help startups, scale-ups, and grown-ups not suck at how they pitch themselves so they stand out to their audience and stand apart from the competition. This podcast is all about bringing you the hearts, the minds, and the stories of leaders in the startup ecosystem, talking through the strategies they have deployed in order to build and grow their companies. And it's officially season 17 of the show, and all season long, we've got a special treat for you, bringing you guests exclusively from the Startup Hype Man client portfolio, giving you a piece of their journey. Before we begin, if you're not a subscriber yet, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. And remember, you can catch all the episodes from our 17 season archive and learn how to pitch your startup at StartupHypeMan.com. All right, get your popcorn ready and get hyped because it's go time. Ladies and gentlemen, making her way to the microphone from Tampa, Florida, and currently residing in San Antonio, Texas. She is the Senior Director of Communications at Electric. Please welcome Joanne Martin. Thank you. What an introduction. I I love love it. I love you open the arms out like you were like gracing the crowd with your presence. Can I have that recording and I'll just play it every morning when I walk into my office for work? One of the things we give every guest is is the snippet of that introduction. So please, every meeting you enter, I would love if you just played that (laughs) snippet. (laughs) I will. I will. All right. So she is Joanne Martin. She is, as I mentioned, the senior director of comms at Electric. Electric is probably the most badass company in the IT space that you will ever encounter. Um, they are making IT less of a headache for so many companies, making it platform based instead of consultant based or instead of you know, like, like provider based or service based. Um, they, as, as the name kind of implies, they do things lightning fast for their customers at Electric. And as a reminder, all this season on Startup Hype Man, the podcast, we're just interviewing different clients who have come through the Startup Hype Man portfolio. And so we had the privilege last year of working with Electric um, on some really cool stuff uh, around their messaging and their narrative. And so it's awesome to have uh, Joanne, who was a big part of that project, um, be a guest now back on the show. And Joanne's actually kind of got this like double feature going because prior to that, she was uh, head of marketing at SearchSpring. Uh, and as you may remember from earlier in this season, we had SearchSpring CEO Peter on as a guest. Um, so it's just awesome to have Joanne here. A little bit more background on Electric. Uh, this company is making moves. They've, they're have they at the point of a Series D, having raised $190 million in total. They have grown to about 500 employees and in the last year alone have increased their headcount by 300 they grew over the last year from a $17 million uh, ARR company all the way to $38 million company and are projecting to be an $80 million company by the end of 2022. So big things are popping and little things are stopping in the words of TI. So with all of that said, with all of the he- the headcount growth, with all of the revenue growth, all the customer growth, our topic today is using people stories as a growth lever. Now I know that may be kind of an abstract sort of um, concept, but there's a lot of there's a lot baked into this. But right off the bat, Joanne, why is this on your mind, and why is this important to you? Yes, uh, what an introduction! You're hired. Uh, can I just <laughs> I'm just going to use that for all of our company announcements moving forward? Um, 
Yeah, it's on my mind because it, one, is my job. Um, as, as Senior Director of Communications, it's my job to find different ways to tell stories about our brand, our product, our users. Um, and one of the most powerful ways I've found to talk about a technology, which is kind of just code and some graphic design, sorry, engineering and product teams, um, is to talk about how people use it and the difference it makes in their day-to-day lives, whether that's their work lives or personal lives, depending on your product. Um, So it's really top of mind for me right now to pull the stories out of actual life um, and make those reality through our marketing. We're going to dive a whole lot more into that as this conversation progresses. Before we get there, let's learn a little bit more about Joanne, the person. Um, Now, Joanne, back when you were at Search Spring, when we first started working together, I just like immediately vibed with you on so many different levels. And part of that, I think, is just like your realness and your down to earthness. And I think your ability to just like understand communications and marketing at like a very fundamental level uh, to an extent where you don't necessarily like get caught up in like the latest buzzword or like, you know, asking the question, well, how do we make this go viral? Right. Um, so, <laughs> I, and I think a lot of this, what I, what I always like learning about people is where some of this started, where like the mindset they have today, what were the initial seeds of that? And one of the things I've noticed um, just in learning more about you is like, if we take it all the way back to day one ish, you had this typewriter you inherited from your great grandmother. And you were like maybe six years old, I think. And with that typewriter, you started a neighborhood newspaper. Talk to me about that. Yeah, it was many years ago. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I, my, my parents kind of came back from cleaning out my great grandmother's house and they had this typewriter that was like, think back even beyond Mad Men era. It was the like, I don't know what this thing was made out of, but if you told me it was lead, I would believe you. It was so heavy. (laughs) And it had the buttons where you have to like lean your body weight on the button to get it to type. And I was obsessed with it. Like I would just type things up. And even, even in that same time frame, my grandmother, who was very influential in my life in a lot of ways, um, bought me a computer, like a real life computer, which it wasn't common at that point for a kid to have a computer in their room. Mm. Um, And so I just got really into anything that I got to play with to tell stories. I, I would, I had on my computer, like would make little very basic, terrible looking comic books. Um, I would type my newspaper out on my typewriter and I would just like hand it out to people all like four copies of it. Um, And I don't, I think a lot of it came from being a reader. I just, I grew up in a pretty big family and to find my own space, I would just hide with a book and disappear for like hours at a time. Um, At the same time, I was also homeschooled. So I had like a very different educational experience than people who aren't homeschooled have, obviously. And the thing that my mom really instilled in me was this idea that you could find anything out you were curious about. Um, and to this day, if I have a question, I can hear my mother's voice saying, go look it up. And so like, I kind of have taken that with me, I think in my career and it, it's what makes me love like uncovering stories, finding stories, telling stories, because I just get so curious about people's lives and what they're doing at work. And so I think that's where a lot of it comes from is just 
my childhood getting to explore those things and getting to ask those questions. And then from reading, seeing the way that other people can tell stories to really have an impact on people's lives. Now, Electric may have grown to, you know, hundreds, maybe thousands of customers, but what was your total readership of that initial neighborhood newspaper? Uh, like my brother and a cat. Um, I did not have like digital was not a thing. So I wasn't sending out my like newsletter to all of my LinkedIn fans. This was like, grandma, look at my, look at my newsletter. Um, so what yeah, kind of updates was, were you sharing? Like today, like this is what mom made for dinner, that kind of stuff. Well, it would depend. I think this was so long ago, but I vaguely remember, remember being very into just observing things in the neighborhood. So like this, this type of <laughs> tree in the, <laughs> the journalist, I was a journalist. Um, yeah. I just like observed things and wrote about them. And like, I, I do remember having a certain feature on a tree. Like I was very into this tree that was in our neighborhood. So I did research in the encyclopedia, like the paper kind that wow. you have to flip through. Yeah. And then like translated what I found there into a story about this tree. Um, so it was not great. Like I would imagine that if I could find one of these things now, I'd look back and be like, poor little Joanne, she had potential. <laughs> um, but I haven't wasted that potential. So I'll take yeah, comfort I, in that. <laughs> I, I would agree with that, with that assessment. Now, so that kind of was the story of um, how you initially became a storyteller. Uh, I'm curious if, you know, one of the other things I've come to know about you is your taste in music does include like heavy metal, like screaming in the car kind of music. Is, is there anything from your music tastes, musical tastes that you feel influences your approach to work? Oh, that's a great question. And that's a very like electric culture question too, because we're, we have a lot of, oh, sorry. We have a lot of people really into to music and there's a lot of variety of music at, at electric. Um, I, I do think that being into music growing up and like I, I played piano growing up. So I learned how to play and read music and got really into understanding how music is composed and music theory. And like, I do think when I hear music that tells a good story, it's, there's something about it that takes me out of the like ones and zeros and reminds me that not everything is measurable. Like you can feel something if a story is really good, or if you can empathize with what someone's saying, it actually moves you to take action. Like that kind of, that always brings me back to like it, the things beyond the thing you're doing, like the details, the colors, the way you feel, the way something's written, all of those things matter in terms of how people are consuming it. And that may not show up in data immediately. Um, maybe like your conversion rate reflects it, but like it can be really easy to forget the art piece of it. So I think mm. my, my love for different kinds of music probably plays into that. I also, I, I also kind of reminds me not to take myself too seriously. Like if you listen to music, that's really popular. You're like, oh, they did that. We can tell, we don't have to take ourselves too seriously. <laughs> no, I love that. Um, let's do a, a little bit of a fast forward here. Uh, yeah. And this, this may be maybe the most difficult question of all to answer. Give us the 60 second rundown of how your career ended you up at electric. 
Oh, 60 seconds. Okay. Um, I, for, for the majority of my career, uh, I have worked in like B2B tech. So that is a natural kind of progression of things. And I, I love it. It's where I want to be in my career for probably the rest of time until I retire at 45 on a beach. Um, but, but I, I think the thing that led me into electric ultimately, and this sounds so cheesy, like I'm just like kissing up to my boss, but is our CMO, Andrea. Um, I knew her, her through a group called Pavilion, which is formerly Revenue Collective. Um, and when I started looking kind of to understand what the next phase of my career looked like, the number one thing on my list was I want to work for someone who I'd want to be like. Um, and so I just knew immediately when I was talking to Andrea from knowing her already that that's a person I'd be proud to call my boss. And that's a person I want to learn from so I can be more like, is that 60 seconds? Yeah, I think so. I wasn't timing okay. it actually, but uh, especially because <laughs> I can't figure out how to use my new Apple watch. But uh, yeah. I, I think that was, I think we were within the zone there. So then let's talk about now, uh, you know, let's, let's get into our main topic today around people stories as a growth lever. I think, I think the right jump off to that though would be uh, maybe if you could just give a quick, better overview of electric than, than what I you know quickly said in the introduction. Oh, you did an excellent job. Um, so I'm going to restate what you already stated, <laughs> um, which is electric is an IT provider for small and medium businesses. Uh, so a lot of smaller companies don't have dedicated IT teams. They might have 200 employees and an office manager who's doing all of the like employee onboarding and mm. procuring hardware for new team members and setting them up with access to all the right apps. Um, so Electric has really created a platform that makes that super, super easy and fast. Um, and then also gives the real-time IT support to that person's team through Slack or Teams. So they're not kind of filling their day with day-to-day -day distractions like, hey, can you help me figure out resetting my password on this app. Um, <laughs> so it, it's ultimately like the, the most amazing combination of um, creating a technology that one automates what an industry that was previously very service heavy, which is IT management. Um, and also doing it for a group of people who are really just trying to build a business and don't need to be distracted with the mundane IT tasks on their, on the day to day. Now, People stories, you know, that, that is our base understanding. People stories as the growth lever, as a growth lever is our topic today. When we were planning out this discussion, you had kind of told me like, well, you know, there, there's almost like three different places where we have people. We have our customers, we have the end users, and we have our own employees, mm -hmm. uh, which I think are pr three pretty unique buckets. But let's just start off with the customers. When we talk about people stories, how does that like, like what is a people story as it applies to a customer? Yeah. Um, so I, this is something I can get really passionate about, probably talk about for too long. So stop me if I ramble, but <laughs> it's in B2B tech, there is this tendency to kind of have like a content category, which is case studies. And that is used primarily by sales to reach out and say, hey, look, we do have real customers and these real customers actually did something with our platform. It's not fake, um, which is kind of what I would consider a very low bar for a, like telling a people story. Mm. Um, they're necessary because when you're purchasing a software on behalf of your company, you want to know that like this software has been vetted by your peers in some way. I don't want to like, I don't want to get duped into buying something that doesn't truly work. 
Um, but I think there's so much we can learn from the entertainment industry or even like B2C industries primarily about the ability to help someone visualize using the product. Um, and that's kind of a step beyond the, hey, here's the problem solution and a couple of key metrics that came out of their, them using the software. Um, so when I think about telling our customers stories, um, it's always evolving, obviously, as mm. everything is in tech. So always trying to improve. Um, I think about how do we really highlight the individual whose day has been changed by using our software. An example of that could be um, if we're using Zoom, I, you and I are talking through Zoom and we're having this conversation. And there are a couple of ways that if I'm marketing for Zoom, I could convey that story to potential buyers. I could say, um, electric uses Zoom because they had a problem where all of their employees went remote and they needed a way to have meetings. And so they brought Zoom on and now they have twice as many meetings as they've ever had through Zoom. Um, and their employee satisfaction has gone up 2%. Like that's a very calculated way to tell that story. Sure. The way that I like to tell the story and I, and I want to move into even more is um, Raj fulfilled his dream of building his business because he was able to record his podcast and share his clients' stories even remotely during the pandemic. And so like, that's a completely different tone when you're talking about like, you are fulfilling your dream, you're building your business, you're achieving that vision that you have for yourself and this technology allows you to do it. So that's how I, that's kind of the basis of the formula for the customer story. Well, even in that, that hypothetical example you just gave, uh, there's a couple of things that stood out to me. One, as you mentioned, with the idea of the, the person, right? You started with an actual like name, right? You, you used mm -hmm. my name, which obviously it's me. So I'm going to like get, I'm going to be alert, more alert when I hear yeah. my name. But in general, I think we gravitate towards hearing a person's name anyways. Mm -hmm. So there's almost like a little bit more like familiarity and attachment to it as a result. And then the other thing, and this was probably intentional yet subconscious, um, I think you're just good at this stuff is the way you said you, you, you kind of like gave the, you know, Raj fulfilled his dream of building his business, even during the pandemic, like, like you basically like that little word, even right. Or uh, I think another example of that could be something like, like saying like without, or like just right. Like these little articles you throw in there that help almost like get out someone's like initial like objection, right? When, when they're yeah. intaking. Is that the idea there? I think it's, it, that's a piece of it. It's also like a less sterile way to, to state a problem. Like in that, in the initial case study format, it's like electric went remote and they needed a way to have meetings remotely. So like by flipping the sentence, this person has now overcome the problem in their story. Yeah. And so it's, it's less so about the problem they've solved and more about this thing they achieved despite the problem being a potential op obstacle. So it, it kind of forces the, like if you think back to elementary school and I don't know if you had to do this, but my, my mother, who was my teacher, like we, we'd start off when we, she'd have us write stories 
by like outlining the story and you have to state who your characters are first before you start telling their stories and you have to state the situation and state the environment they're in and that develops the outline for the story so it's just ingrained in my mind you start with the character and then establish their environment and then talk about what that character overcame so I think it's a, it just puts a more personal twist on it a little bit. And, and one of the things I notice, even just, you know, if anyone goes to the electric website, electric.ai, it's front and center, right? You mm-hmm. have this, like, almost this carousel right at the top of the homepage of photos of people, mm-hmm. not of company logos, photos of people who are smiling, who look like they're friendly with a quote next to their picture. And like, here's, here's a literal example of that. Hopefully I can, uh, I'll, I'll get it out before, before it, it, it scrolls away here. Let me just let it, I got to let it shuffle back through. Um, so you have, um, for example, let's let it cycle through. You have Elon Levine, despite our employee growth rate increasing exponentially, electric has been able to address all our IT needs, even as we hire people. Right. You start with that despite, just as you said, right, like they, how they overcame the problem. Right. And that was their solution, them overcoming the problem. And the other thing that's part of it, and I really want to get your take on this, too, because I'm, I'm very like, like flag in the ground on this is, you know, none of these quotes are we achieved a 40 percent efficiency gain through electric. Right. It's not a direct ROI quote that you're putting out there as the lead message. Can you talk more about that? Yeah. So I do think there's a time and place for that. So if we have to fight over where your flag is, I'm happy to do it. But I think the time and place for that is after someone already knows who you are as a company and can visualize themselves using the platform and they just have to prove the value to someone else. It's like very rarely does someone stumble across a company because they're like trying to solve a problem. And the first thing they think is like, what is the ROI of this platform? Right. Usually they're thinking like, all right, I need to get more leads in for my business. And in order to do that, I need better personalization on my website. My friends in marketing have told me about these three companies. I'm going to check them out. And I want to see things from my peers that are like, I was drowning trying to get better targeting. And this company helped me do it despite all the other things I had going on. Um, And then you have to go convince your finance person, your CFO, that like ultimately the numbers line up and that's when you throw the ROI numbers out. So I think it, both of those things can make sense when you're telling the story, you just have to be really aware of how you're hooking people. (laughs) That sounds terrible, but like what the hook is and they first come across who you are so that you're engaging with them on an emotional level first and the guard goes down. And I think actually I'll, kind of expand on that a little bit, because I do think there are a couple of things that are a couple of missteps people can avoid when trying to tell stories is there are two things primarily that I think reduce defensiveness in your audience, which is ultimately what you want to do at the very top of funnel. Like people are generally curious, but they're also kind of cynical and they want to dispute anything that feels fishy or off. Um, if you throw really hard stats at someone right off the bat, the wall goes up and you start calculating the stats and you start wondering, is that true? Like, right. So I think there are two things ultimately that 
I like to find in, in that like introductory phase, one is the, the hook should be emotional. So how do you really appeal to where that person is in their career, in their life? You have to think sometimes outside of their work environment. Um, and then two, how do you reduce the defensiveness or bring down the walls with a little bit of humor or personality? And at that point, now that you've led with like not taking yourselves too seriously, not throwing out numbers that someone inherently wants to debate, then you can get more into like, yes, it's true. Like our customers do get 105% ROI, but they are, they already are like engaged with talking to you. And you're not just at the cocktail party, like, Hey, I'm Joanne. All my friends give me a four out of five rating. On, <laughs> like when I attend cocktail parties. <laughs> You know? no, that's a that's a really good comparison point. And yeah, I think, and you know, it's it's so interesting because like when we, we had a client here where we had to fight tooth and nail with them to not have like the lead message be about this percent gain in their in profit margins. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, but like like our stuff can prove like our product does that. And I'm like, but that's not what, like when someone hears that, you know, your point about the defense, I love that reduced defensiveness. I love that, that, that phrase you use, you know, the way I think about it, which is not like the scientific term, but I call it like the yeah, but brain, yeah. you know, where someone hears that, a lot of yeah, that. right. Yeah. And they say, yeah, but yeah, that's not going to work for us. Our situation is like, they think of all the reasons yeah. why it wouldn't apply to them or why the stat isn't true. Yeah. And I really think on this point of ROI, I think the the better way to look at it. Cause I, I agree with you. My, my flag on the ground is not that it shouldn't exist. It's that mm-hmm. it's not like the, the banner on the site. And, the, and the, the first thing you tell people, right. is not, I'm um, Joanne. I've I got a four out of five at cocktail parties. Um, <laughs> to me, it's more like, as you said, it's like ROI is the closing argument. It's not the mm-hmm. opening argument. It, it, it's part of the closing argument. And it's like, Oh, and by the way, this actually really helped, you know, scale across the company because they got this, you know, X percent lift, or now they have 20% of their time back, et cetera. Yeah. And I think that's, this is maybe digging into it a little bit, but it's a respectful way to talk to professionals who are visiting your site. Like it can, again, I like, I'm not advocating for not talking ROI. I think it's so important. And it's so important to have those objective, like business cases. That's how businesses steward their finances. Hmm. But I do think that like the, you have to have a certain amount of professional respect for your audience in the sense that like, if I'm a marketer and you're trying to sell me marketing software, don't condescend to me with something that basic off the bat. (laughs) Like (laughs) I know it has to prove ROI. I've been proving ROI to finance teams my entire career. And you're going to give that to me throughout the sales cycle. The first thing I want to hear is like, how have other people like me earned promotions, doubled, like had more customers come in and be happy with their product, made their teams more successful? Like all the things that I'm thinking about because I'm trying to solve this problem is like, that's the thing I want to hear first. Like, don't, yeah. don't give me the like table stakes ROI argument off the bat. I don't like it. Maybe that's a personality thing, but it doesn't work for me. No, but I think because it makes sense, right? Because mm-hmm. you, it's almost patronizing in a way. Yeah. It's almost being like, 
it's like, yeah, like you wouldn't exist if there wasn't some proven benefit, but let's, you know, right. let's not start there because if, yeah. if that's what you're leading with, all I'm going to think is maybe you actually don't get those results, but you tell people they, that they do. So that mm-hmm. way they will buy from you and, and, and pay you. Yes. Yeah. Let's transition to another side here with employees. But before we get there, I just want to take a step back here and let our listeners know about a new partner of the show. And, 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 I, and I want to just inform them that through this idea of just asking you, you, the listener, like, how are you feeling about Google Analytics? Perhaps more pointed than that, do you hate Google Analytics? Maybe you're raising your hand right now. I know there's a lot of problems in the market overall just in getting Google Analytics to work for your site, specifically understanding where and why you lose site visitors before they convert. It's just downright hard. And with GA, there's always some integration issue or you got to sort through this mountain of data to just figure out what's causing leads to drop off. You know, we, we all work in the daytime, but, but GA can be a nightmare. And that's why I was just really excited to learn of a better way to measure web analytics, and that's Oribi. Oribi is this unique marketing analytics tool that captures all the events visitors perform on your website without using code. And they enable you to analyze visitor behavior patterns, build smart funnels, and get tons of insights so you always know what your next step is. And what does that mean at the end of the day? It means you'll be able to understand your visitors and know what to change in order to convert more. And that means no more blind spots on your site. And as a partner of the show, you can start your free trial at oribi.io slash today, O-R-I-B-I dot I-O slash today, and use the coupon code HYPEMAN for 20% off any plan. That's oribi at O-R-I-B-I dot I-O slash today, where you can get a free trial. And any plan on the site, just use the coupon code HYPEMAN, all one word, for 20% off. oribi.io slash today. Today on Startup Hype Man, the podcast, we're talking with Joanne Martin, the Senior Director of Communications at Electric AI on using people stories as a growth lever. Now, before the break there, Joanne, I mentioned I wanted to transition towards another side of this storytelling and and generating people stories, and that's looking inward to your own employees. Can you talk through what Electric's strategy is here in leveraging employees as part of the overall storytelling towards um, building this brand equity, essentially? Yeah. Um, so I'll start by saying, I think we're at like 10% of what we could be doing. So um, there's so much, so many ideas out there and so much work we can do to, to get better at this, um, which I feel like is inevitably and always the case in my career where I'm like, we could do everything. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but time and resources are real things. So um, I th- when I think about employee stories, honestly, at electric, it's not hard. We have such cool employees and such great culture. Like it kind of happens on its own. Um, in the sense that like, I was, I was bragging to a candidate yesterday, which I, it was so refreshing to do of like, we have, not only do we have our like talent acquisition team, we have an HR team, we have a workplace experience team. And this team is just, honestly, I think they have the coolest jobs, but they work so hard in terms of like, above and beyond experience for employees where, and it's not like they do the sickest swag drops of any company I've ever seen Uh for sure to employees, but it's also just things like employee events or like resources for employees. We have a lot of employee resource groups. Um, So when I think about like telling our employees stories, I'm just like, yes, keep doing what you're doing and like post about it on LinkedIn every now and then. And that's kind of all I have to do. Um, (laughs) But I do like, 
it's kind of follows the same scenario of like, if you're thinking about employer marketing and a lot of companies right now will like explicitly say hiring is the biggest challenge. Um, it's a really tough hiring environment. And so companies are doing a lot to compete for talent. Um, and so you hear a lot of companies talk about better benefits, 401k batching, like all these amazing things you get because you work for the company. Um, but I think like companies should remember it's also a marketing exercise in terms of like winning new talent, just like you'd win new customers. Um, and so there's a lot of room to tell the story in the same way, which is like, we we're currently refreshing our website. And one of my favorite pages, um, that will go live later in the year is our like careers page. And one of the bands we'll have on the new careers page is like the number of internal promotions in the company in the last year. Um, like the employee satisfaction rating, a lot of these things that just kind of convey like, Hey, it's. We'll, we'll also have a cool video where people are talking about their experience at electric, but it's kind of go back to those metrics. It's like, we're going to, we get to pair the emotional experience of working with electric, which is a lot of people saying like quotes from within our team, where it's like, I've never worked at a company that's so diverse where I feel so included. Like I've never worked at a company where there's so much female leadership. I feel like there's actually potential for me to evolve here. Um, so getting to kind of share those experience along with like, hey, we do actually like have career paths here and people can grow their careers and that's what a lot of people want. So um, I don't know if that squarely answers your question, but I do think about employee stories in kind of the same way I think about customer stories. Well, in that respect, is that happening through your like, okay, we're going to do some sit down interviews with employees to ask what it's like working here? Or is it just like, the, the culture is already so good. Everyone's just doing it on their own. And you just happen to be like scraping some online posts every now and then to be like, oh, look, they said this about us. We have both. So we will, as soon as we're able to all go into an office again, at some point, it keeps getting pushed back. <laughs> um, but when we're safely able to go get a bunch of people in the office and film a video, that's definitely on, on the list hmm. um, to, to just hear people's stories. Because I, I choose out when I, a lot, when I talk about working at electric, but it like truly is the coolest culture I've ever been a part of. Um, and so I really want to just more so than anything, I'm curious about other people's experiences as well. Like most of us are remote. So a lot of the experience I have with teammates is even beyond the marketing team is through Slack or in all hands meetings. And yeah, there's a lot of great stuff people are posting on social, which is amazing. But I also kind of just want to sit down and interview them. Like it's the little six-year-old Joanne. It's like, tell me, why did you choose to join Electric? <laughs> Hard-hitting stories. Um, Joanne so. Martin asks the tough questions. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then how would you say like, whether it is uh, employee stories or whether it's customer stories, how do you measure if this is working? And how, how do you say, yeah, we're, we're doing the right thing here. And I mean, I'm sure, you know, the crazy revenue growth is a good start, but, <laughs> but are there any like metrics that are in place for this? There are. So we, it depends on how we're utilizing them. So customer stories, I kind of think of as like a campaign or content in some way where you can really use that across a lot of different marketing channels. Um, one recent example at Electric is like, we have the world's best demand gen team of all time, and I will hype them up forever and ever. And you should definitely have our director demand gen on to talk because he's a genius. <laughs> all right. Um, 
but they, they took one of our customer stories and our product marketing team worked with them to kind of translate it into a LinkedIn ad. And so obviously you're not going to put like a long form blog on LinkedIn as an ad, though, maybe that'd be like a sick Don Draper move and make people read the whole damn thing. (laughs) But it's basically like one of our customers, Entreprenista, they were able to, they actually in the customer story, they're like, yeah, we spent like multiple days a week waiting in line at the Apple store. And we're like, you're like a badass founder of a business. You don't need to be spending your time waiting in line at the Apple store. But our team was able to kind of dig in and say like, well, now that you don't have to do that because Electric's managing onboarding all of your employees and all your procurement, what have you been able to accomplish? And so like the whole ad is really just highlighting the fact that they were able to build an entire new division of their business because they weren't doing that. And so that ad actually in Q4 was the highest performing LinkedIn ad for Electric overall. And I think it was because people really could envision one, the pain of being like, I'm a startup founder and I'm still like answering employees questions about their laptops. Um, I have to stop (laughs) doing this so I can build my business. And then two, it's aspirational in the sense that like, oh man, I've kind of let myself just get into like the day-to-day of being our IT person, but I'm the CEO. I should be thinking strategically about where we're going. And so it kind of like gets you out of your status quo a little bit. And it's relatable. It's like, these are real founders and we have a real picture of them working together. Um, And then we get to tell that story and it, it engages people. I think, but I also think that, you know, not to beat a dead horse, I think that goes back to what we were saying before about that ROI message being the lead is just more often than not ineffective because Mm -hmm. like you said, it's not like the CEO or the founder of that company is sitting there saying to themselves, you know what I just really need is a 30% reduction in laptop password inquiries. (laughs) <laughs> what they are saying is, oh God, this is taking away so much of my yes. time. I can't focus on doing the important stuff. Yes. Yeah. And to answer your question, I mean, to go back to your question, which is how do you measure it? That particular application of a customer story was lead generation. So we measured it by leads in through the lead LinkedIn campaign that ultimately became opportunities. Yeah. We have a lot of case studies that the sales team use, and those are more like traditional case studies because our sales team is like, these people know who we are. They're, they understand why they want to use electric. And to our point earlier, like they're kind of advocating internally to make it happen, to get the resources, to get buy-in. And so you have a really structured, like the CEO gets the case studies, like, okay, they're legit, check the box, send it to finance. Um, and so that we tend to measure by like influenced revenue of a case study. So our product marketing team kind of evaluates in every quarterly business review we have a pie chart of like all of the case studies on influenced revenue and show which one influenced the most revenue. Um, so it's cool to kind of see the themes sure. that come out of it. And then you start to identify, oh, hey, like we haven't influenced a lot of revenue in this segment. So like legal, the legal industry was one for us. And we're like, we, we should find like a great legal customer and tell their story. And then we'll start mm-hmm. to see revenue influenced by that a bit more. So yeah, we, you measure it depending on like any other piece of content, you measure it on the application and the purpose of it. 
one of those measurements you said, like with the LinkedIn ad was lead gen, right? So my last question here before we begin our wrap up is in cases where lead gen has been the goal, have you noticed or has your sales team noticed a difference in the type of lead who comes in via one of those stories, you know, whether it's executed through an ad, an organic post, whatever it might be, um, basically their, their, their engagement point before they talk to the sales team is one of those stories as opposed to just like a straight cold lead. Have you, mm-hmm. has the sales team reported like, oh, the, the conversations are of higher quality, anything like that? We, I mean, anecdotally, we're, while I want this year and I know our product marketing team have like been pushing for this to have a little bit more data into like close rates and acceleration through the funnel based on that. Um, right now we kind of have more anecdotal feedback and one of the most, I think, proud moments for me just as a team leader, uh, was the end of Q4, one of our sales directors reached out and actually it was two different people at different times. And they're like, man, just being able to just grasp and pull a customer story and send it to a client at any given time for any potential Mm -hmm. customer. Like I can think of over a million dollars I've sold just because I'm able to do that. And so like, it's anecdotal at this point, but like, yeah, we're, we're a startup. We're putting a lot of processes into place. And the fact that our sales teams are confidently closing deals and attribute it to that is good enough to start for me. Um, And then we'll get fancy with data as we go. Let's begin our wrap up. Where can our listeners find you, Joanne? Uh, where, they, where can they find you and where can they learn more from both you and Electric? Yeah. So me personally, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, it's the only social media profile I have and it will stay that way. Um, but Joanne Martin is my name. Um, there are very few of us Joannes out there. So you can find me just by searching. Uh, you can find Electric as Raj mentioned at electric.ai um, and take a look at some our customer stories. They're pretty great. Yeah. And while you're there, please just, I, I, whether you want to see the stories or not, please just go to their website to just get a feel for the branding overall. This is a company that operates in IT and you would think based on the branding that they are like doing like, they're like touring the country uh, as a, as a, like a rock star like band. So like take a note on how they're able to take something like IT, which you tend to think, you know, people think of IT as like, oh, it's like boring, et cetera. And they're able to put real life behind it with the colors, with the way they lay out everything, with the logo, all that kind of stuff. So just take a lesson from them and branding while you're at it. Joanne, who is one person that you want to shout out? Yeah. So I obviously shouted out our director of demand gen, Seth Steinman. Uh, he's like the best possible demand gen partner I could ask for in the universe. Um, so Raj, you should definitely interview him. He's an absolute genius and is like, I, I will tell him all the time, like you, I want to learn from you, how you have this big, big, big goal. Like he's responsible for a significant portion of that revenue growth we talked about has never missed a goal. And like somehow still breaks it down to like the day-to-day tasks that the team needs to do to get it done. Um, just incredibly skilled and awesome human being. So shout out. We'll we'll definitely get him on them for a future episode. Uh, let's now, um, give our final lessons or takeaways for the listeners based on the discussion today. I'll go first, then I'll toss it to you. Our topic today was using people stories as a growth lever. Um, 
I think my biggest thing from today, uh, and I I've said it before, I just loved how you phrased this. You said, reduce defensiveness, right? Anytime you go to someone, they are looking for ways to prove that what you're saying is wrong or that they don't want, they just don't want to feel like they've been had. And your story should be an effort to reduce defensiveness. Joanne, top one or two lessons for the listeners. Yeah. Number one for sure is I think harkens back to that point, which is be sincere in your curiosity when you're talking to customers about these stories and that you're going to get the most interesting anecdotes. You're going to actually understand where they're coming from and it'll help you craft a better story. So get out of the, like, I need to do a case study, check the box with the format and get into kind of a journalistic mindset of, man, I really want to understand where this person is coming from. What was their career like? What are the other things they want to do and can't because they're bogged down with things day to day? Like get curious and be sincere in that curiosity in your stories. Now, throughout your career, even back to when you were six years old, you mm -hmm. were an entrepreneur by starting a newspaper. You've made entrepreneurial moves throughout your career to get to where you are today. And every day at Electric, you have to be entrepreneurial in how you sell ideas internally and to the public. So my final question for you is how we end every episode of this show. Fill in the blank, Joanne. Entrepreneurship is blank. A, a pain cave. A pain cave. Say more <laughs> on that. Is that one of those um, heavy metal words? <laughs> no, it's, it's more like an endurance athlete word where like, I don't, to me, entrepreneurship, I, I'm not primarily an entrepreneur, but yes, at any given time, I have something entrepreneurial going on. And it's really easy from the outside to look at it and think like, you get to control your own schedule and you get to like, you can do anything you want. You're your own boss. That's so amazing. But I think at the core of it, entrepreneurship is just being very good at like, uh, what is the right word? Persisting through pain and discomfort and like making shit happen for yourself despite that. So I think when I think about entrepreneurship, it's maybe not as flowery or romanticized. It's like, you have to really want to do what you're doing and you really have to dig in and be able to like advocate for yourself, even though it's uncomfortable constantly, because entrepreneurship is just constantly uncomfortable. I think. I learned something new every day. And today I learned <laughs> that entrepreneurship is a pain cave. And I've never heard that word before, so I'm going to start <laughs> using that. She is Joanne Martin, Senior Director of Communications at Electric. Joanne, this was wonderful. Thank you so much for joining today on Startup Hype Man, the podcast. Thank you for having me. That does it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, go ahead and leave a rating and review in your podcast app or do us one better. Hit the share button. Send this episode to one friend who you think needs to hear it. While you're on your way out, don't forget to follow Startup Hype Man on Instagram and LinkedIn at Startup Hype Man. And remember, you can also connect with today's guest as well. They left their contact info. They love hearing if what they shared helped you in any way. StartupHypeMan.com is the place to catch the full 17 season archive and learn all about how to pitch your startup. We'll see you next week, but until then, stay hyped. Raj Nation out.